Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and thanks for coming back. I'm so glad you're here. I've said it before, but it really blows my mind how many amazing people I've gotten to meet just by putting this podcast out into the world. I mean, I'm lucky enough to know so many writers, and I you know, have so many great conversations with people I know, but just doing this podcast and getting on other networks and meeting new people has opened up so many doors for me and so many new connections, and my guest today is one of those. So Dr. Nicole Yantz is truly a kindred spirit. We've followed a very similar path in our lives and found our way to creativity, coaching, and writing coaching because of what we learned on our own journeys to being true to ourselves. We've both figured out how to overcome the blocks that creatives are often plagued with, not only for ourselves, but to help others get there as well. She's really, really cool, and she's super real about her story and how she got to where she is today. She's a writing coach. She has a planner that helps writers get their writing life under control. She's such a cool person. So here's a little bit more about her. Dr. Nicole Yance helps academics, entrepreneurs, and creatives find their unique voices and create powerful books. With a rich background in journalism, academia, and coaching, she passionately believes in the transformative power of writing to make a profound impact in the world. So do I. I love it. We had a great conversation and we got really deep into our own challenges and the things that we're still learning. You know what they say, the things you teach are the things you need to learn yourself. So there's a lot of us getting real in this conversation. So I won't keep you in suspense. Let's jump in. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you here, too, because I we talked a little bit before we jumped on, and we have a lot in common, and we have a lot to talk about, and I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits, so I'm really excited. So tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Well, I live in England, um, in Cambridge, UK, and I'm a writer's coach, so That means if you're an author or an entrepreneur or an academic and you struggle to get your book done or get your book started or get your articles done, then I come in and help you create the space and give you a little bit of structure and accountability to actually get to the finish line. So that's a long-winded way of saying if if you're a blocked writer, one way or another, you're probably going to end up with me for a little while. I love it. I love the, I mean, we talk about it. So I, I do similar. All right. So we, we, let me back up because I'm getting very excited. I want to jump right in. So we talked before this podcast and we kind of went through our backgrounds and we found out that we had very similar paths through life. Um, so tell us how you ended up here in, in this writing coach 
world? Yes, by accident, um, which I wish there was a better story to tell. But, um, you know, I always loved writing as a child. I was writing my diary and writing stories. And whenever I was scolded at school, I wrote a little story. And um, But then I became a journalist, um, thinking, well, if I want to be a writer, I can't really be a novelist, right? So it just have to be something proper. So I became a journalist, did that for 10 years. And then I became an academic for another 10 years working at a university here at Cambridge and um, thought, okay, well, that's the space where I can write a lot and do research and, you know, hang out in libraries. And I did love it um, until I burned out um, from all the pressure to publish constantly and to teach at the same time, do admin, I had two young children. And the burnout was when I realized I need to change something. I did. I've realized that before, but I wouldn't have would have never done anything about it. But the burnout meant I had panic attacks and I couldn't leave the house. Um, it was really my body very cleverly doing the biggest thing it can do to stop me. And um, I started running small writing retreats on Zoom, just you know, people writing together and. I realized during the breaks that, you know, when we all went for our coffee, people would, you know, chat with me and tell me their problems and I would say a thing and suddenly they would either cry, you know, cry from relief or sort of feel like, oh, I can write again. And I realized that maybe I can help them in a better way. And I just put the word out, does anyone want coaching with me? And so I got clients, I built a business around it and I helped people finish their books and, um, yeah, com completely stumbled into it. But I think I just sort of by accident discovered that zone of genius where I can combine the writing, but also my love for connection and people. That's amazing. It's so it's seriously, I feel like we're the same person with a little bit of a, you know, so I started out also, you know, wanting to always be a novelist. Um, my parents were, you know, they weren't like, oh, that's stupid, but they were like, oh, that's great. But what are you going to do for a real job kind of thing? And they really wanted me to be a teacher because they were both teachers. And I was like, like a classroom teacher. Like I think now, now I am a teacher, which is kind of funny, but not a classroom teacher. They wanted me to be a classroom teacher because that was what they knew. Um, I ended up in journalism and then, you know, I couldn't really live off of what journalists make. And so I ended up in corporate America doing communications and marketing. And I similar to, you know, your journey into academia, I was like, oh, well, this is writing. I can write every day and I can work on my books on the side and, you know, whatever. Um, and I did manage to do that. And I got, I have published a lot of books and, but I still, you know, I always wanted to do something related to write. Well, I wanted to write full time. And then along the way, I found that people like me were putting that writing dream aside, right. For a real life or because they didn't think they could do it or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, and so when my corporate job blew up a few years ago, I was like, well, I don't know that I want to go right back into this. So I started consulting and I also started, you know, uh, like a writing coach business. I started with a membership site. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to like focus on building that up these days. But how, like when you started that and you found these people, where did they come from? Like, how did they find you before you even knew what you were doing? You know, I never quite understood. My mom is very similar. Somehow certain types of people sort of are attracted by her, often someone who needs maybe help or just someone with a lot of empathy. And I've just recently been thinking maybe I inherited something there. Um, I really don't know because I did not know how to market. I didn't know how to, um, you know, create a program or any of these things. I really just put the word out around a few friends um, and initially they were all academics because I was an academic. And if you have a PhD from Cambridge, you sort of have the credibility, um, mm. that you, they think, you know what you're doing. And, um, dare I say, I hope, I hope I did know what I was doing. Um, and it just sort of one person is referring to the next. It's really lovely. I can almost trace, you know, the little network of where people are referring me to now into the world of authors and entrepreneurs and all kinds of writers that it's sort of, yeah, it's a snowball effect. That's awesome. So when you, you talked about 
burning out and, you know, the process of that and how, and I think you told me back when we had our pre-call that you couldn't even write a sentence for a while. Um, how did you, how did you get beyond that? Cause I find that so fascinating because that's a lot of what I talk about and, and, you know, teach is kind of how to get past that block. Yeah. I think I needed to first let go. And I mean, I work a lot of with accountability and structure and productivity tools. And so there are all these things that are definitely useful, but when it really comes down to it, like the core of what helps my clients and what helps me is letting go. And I let go of that idea. I need to publish 10 more academic papers before I'm allowed to quit, or I need to finish this or that. I just let go completely. And then I signed up for a creative writing course um, at the University of Cambridge, just a six-week online course about writing a short story. I just felt like I want to do something just for fun. It has nothing to do with my job, nothing to do with how I earn my money or any expectations. And I basically went in there. It was during COVID lockdowns and it was um, all online. And I, they, you know, they said, introduce yourself on the platform. And I went in and I typed furiously, I'm here, I'm burned out and I'm taking back what's mine. And that's writing and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and um, well, lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. I just discovered this spark of just writing and it was really shitty, but who cares, right? Um, and that led me to now actually doing a master's on the side in creative writing, just because I love it, not because yeah. I need it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you talked about too, just when you started coaching people, um, when you fell into coaching people that you, I think you said you found some words and you just said them and they resonated. What, what, tell me what those words were. <laughs> What do the, what do you tell people? Is that, is that what you tell them just to let go or is it like, how do you get them to, to come back to themselves? Hmm. I think I, so one is actually not words. Um, I think there's something about being present in a calm way and just sort of people tell me you are creating the space. I don't really know what that means, but somehow when we are in a room together, um, something happens where I can just see them visibly just like taking a slightly deeper breath or just sort of, you know, the shoulders are going down. And sometimes I actually do some body work with them, although I'm not qualified at all in any somatic things, but just sort of like taking a breath and just, you know, taking a moment. And then the next thing is I listen and you wouldn't believe how many people have are not having their voice heard nowadays, especially women, but not just. Um, I find that when I talk to my coaches, I'm also, you know, I also have my own set of coaches that help me, how important it is to have someone just listen. And only then when when I feel like they can breathe, they feel like their voice matters, someone is here with them on the journey listening, then we talk about, well, what is what is it that is in your head? What thought is in your head that's keeping you blocked? And then we do a bit of mindset work. Like, is that thought really true? Um, I learned that in my anxiety therapy that I took myself. Often there are thoughts in our head about how bad we are and how we're not doing it properly that are really not true. And there are certain ways of sort of teasing that out and coming to the realization, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not a bad writer and maybe I can just do it my way. And then we... Then we move on to all kinds of things like talking about story structure, but sort of we often talk with a very basic level of just empathy, trust, breathing, and just, you know, creating a space together. Mm. I love that because one of the core mantras that I have too, like when I talk to my members or, you know, anyone who might come into my world for courses or anything, um, it's all about the mindset because we, I think we just really get in our own way so much. Right. And we, do you know the artist way? Did we talk about Julia Cameron in the artist way? We may as well have, because I, I do talk about her a lot. I, I think I did the artist's way at least three, four times and, you know, almost yeah. in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really the thing for me that, that got me back. Cause I had always, you know, I throughout all of the things that I did and, and all of the different paths that I took, I always wrote, like I always wrote my fiction, but for a long time, like I, I, I was writing, but I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't probably writing very good, which is not the, ever the point really to write good, but or to write well. <laughs> um, but I think 
just the whole process of really stopping and looking at all the things that you had been taught or told or that you had started to believe about yourself and figuring out how those things were getting in your own way. I think that's really the core of what like I've wanted to help people learn and do and, and reframe. Um, was, was there any particular exercise that stood out to you from the artist's way that really helped you kind of think about your writing differently? I mean, all of them, I think, especially things like self-sabotage, which is not a very nice word. It's sort of almost, you know, harmful to say to yourself, but just exploring what sort of activities or thoughts you are stuck with, like the old patterns that make it so hard to move beyond where you currently are and become maybe more similar to something like the future self that you might be. I've, I was really very deeply stuck in a victim mindset and just, it seemed like there's no way out and, you know, and sort of these just exploring, what are you telling yourself? Like what program is running in the background? Just yeah. getting, coming aware of that. Um, and I'm still an overthinker, so I'm, you know, not perfect, but that for the first time really woke me up. Like I really needed to wake up. And that's what this, this chapter around these self-sabotaging um, ideas, that's what that did for me. Mm. Same here. I'm such an overthinker and, you know, I'm interested in how, like, how did you, how long did, when you, when you recognize that about yourself, like, how did you get out of it and how, like, how long did it take you? Is it an ongoing process? So yeah, it's still an ongoing process. I mean, I do have a, a mindset coach, um, Paul Shepard, who is amazing. And what we do together, and then I take that into my own practice is, when I can see the catastrophizing thoughts developing, I try to be aware of them. Most of the time I don't notice and I just feel anxious and I don't know why, but I, I try to just be aware, not, you know, shaming myself for, for, for having that, but just noticing, oh, this is what I'm thinking. And then I can take a few strategies from that, right? I usually take a breath. Um, so I'm getting, becoming aware, I'm taking a breath and then I, I can make a decision from a slightly different place. Do I need to take action? Am, am I actually in danger? Um, or is my book actually going to fail? Or can I decide to go and rest or just go for a walk or just journal a little bit? And that's exactly the, the model that I follow with my clients as well. Yeah. I, I, I love that because I, you know, it's funny because all the things that I think I've read many places, the things that you teach are the things that you need to learn. Right. Yeah. And it's so easy <laughs> for me to like help somebody find their path and, and, you know, kind of dismantle those thoughts that are in their head and show them how wrong it is. But then you come back to your own head and you're, and you're trying to figure out how to do it for yourself. And I've actually found my, you know, I'm, I'm much better at recognizing them, like you said, and, and, you know, kind of talking around them to myself now, but, you know, I've recently been going through an experience where, um, you know, I'm still, I'm writing on the side, right. I'm, I'm doing my business on the side and I've been doing still a lot of the corporate work for my day job. And, you know, that looks like it might be changing a lot. And so in, in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, this is your chance to, you know, really put your pedal to the metal and, you know, write the books you want to write and keep writing the books you're writing and, you know, get this business up and running. And then the other part of me is like falling a little bit into that fear of, Oh my God, do I need to go get a job? And that's not, and every fiber of my being is telling me, no, that's not what you need to do. Right. So it's trying to reconcile the anxiety and the fear with the things that you know is true and, and that you are trying to teach other people. Yeah. I often ask myself if I wasn't afraid what would I say then? Or what would I do next? Because mm -hmm. I'm often afraid, like I'm, you know, a walking bundle of, you know, slightly higher and lower anxiety. And sometimes I just stop, especially when I lost my academic job, because I just physically couldn't bring myself to go there anymore. Yeah, I was really scared. It was a 10 year job at a prestigious university. You don't want to let that go. And at the same time, I thought, well, what if I wasn't afraid? what doors could that open for me? What next thing do I get to learn in my life? And it, that was a really hard thing. I did not, that was not like a flip that was being switched. 
um, it was really just ongoing reminding myself if I wasn't afraid, what would I think then? And that suddenly, I mean, now I'm my own businesswoman. I don't have a boss. I don't ever want one ever again. Yeah. I work only with clients who I really like and who I want to see transform while they're writing their book and, you know, they are thriving and publishing far more than I ever did. And I just, I'm looking back at that woman and wondering what was driving her, you know, to just push and push and push as an academic, you know, all this prestige. And it was just so unnecessary. And I'm sure ten, in 10 years from now, I will be looking back at today thinking, oh yeah, Nicole is still, you know, running in the hamster wheel. If only she knew, but that's fine, right? That's okay. We're always evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think ego, right? Ego gets in the way a lot too. Cause I, I know I fell into that in my, in the corporate world, right? It's like, oh, now you have this title and you have this position and you know, you've got some clout quote unquote, right. Which you never really have. It's all just, you know, you think you have this thing until you don't have it anymore. Um, and I think the whole idea of being true to yourself is, is really what's going to get you anywhere, whether it's in your writing in your life in both, um, just that living authentically. And I think a lot of us are afraid to do that. And it's really hard because yeah. we are constantly conditioned and bombarded to function in a certain way, to strive for, you know, a salary security. And I mean, these are all valid things, right? So I don't yeah. want to say that it doesn't matter. But I do think that what you really truly want, that cannot, that voice cannot come through when, when you are constantly running after something or you're just fulfilling your obligations. And luckily, I don't know if it's the universe, my body or the subconscious, if you're lucky, it'll hit you sideways and knock you off your feet so that there's suddenly a little va vacuum, some space where you can just breathe and think, what do I actually want? Just like you do with your characters, right? What does the character want? And then what does the character need? Which is not always the same thing. Yeah. And that creates a space that is a bit scary, but also, I mean, there's so much potential there who knows, you know, with things that are changing for you, what will happen next? I, I obviously, I'm not in the position, so it's easy for me to say it's exciting, but isn't it just a teeny tiny bit though? It definitely is. I mean, and it's, I, I know this is a lesson, right? It's this, it's the, you, you teach what you need to learn. So it's the lesson of, you know, stop being afraid of not having the security because really a lot of it too. And probably coming from academia, you would agree with me. I don't know. You could tell me, but, um, this idea that we have of security, it's all just an illusion because it could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. I'm nodding my head so people can't see that, but absolutely. Um, I think when, at least for me, I have sort of leaned towards anxiety and, um, constantly, thinking my mind wants to latch on to something that feels safe and familiar. And I almost didn't notice that that thing that felt safe and familiar wasn't actually good for me. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it wasn't actually safe for me to stay in a job where I commuted three hours a day mm. with little children. It was not safe for me and my body, but it's sort of, there was this illusion that this is, this is what I need to do to keep myself in a secure um, position. Yeah. And to break that up, sometimes something needs to go really wrong or it needs to look like it's going wrong to then wake up to that. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. So, all right. So along with all of the inner work, um, you also, you mentioned you do a lot of productivity and you have tools and all of that. And I know you have a planner that you created to help writers get their work done. So walk us through your, the methods. So after you do all your inner work and your meditation and, you know, all of those things, what are the actual logistical things that you do to get your work done and help your clients? So for everyone, it's a little different, but the mindset always needs support of the environment. You can have the most awakened and rested mindset. If you're living in the wrong environment that is very disruptive, you're probably no, never going to get very far and it's going to bring you down. Um, 
I think what, you know, the process is so, so simple. It really is about structure and routines because every time I have to bring up willpower to write, um, that muscle wears out really fast. But whenever I have a clear plan, which for me has to be visual, I need to see it on the page. This is what I'm doing when, and this is my flow ritual that gets me into you know, into writing deeply and not fussing about with email. Like when I have all of that laid out for me, I can just fall into that. So within that box that I then created or the structure, I can then be quite free and creative because it's just giving me a bit of space without having, like if I had a whole unstructured day ahead of me, I would really, really struggle. So yeah, I, you know, I teach different things. I have this planner, the right habit planner, where it's very simple. The idea is you create a daily habit where you set your goals, you prioritize them, you slot them in. So it has to be, those goals have to show up in your calendar. Otherwise it doesn't count. Yep. Then if it's not scheduled, it's not real. That's what they say, right? <laughs> 100%. And you wouldn't believe how often I've written down three goals for the day, which is the first step. But then I didn't slot them in. And at the end of the week, I would think, well, I had these goals, but I instead I went to all these meetings and did all these activities. Yes, because they weren't slotted in. And then also the next step of, after slotting in is um, tracking yourself. And it doesn't mean you have to be rigid and ah, exactly 500 words a day. It doesn't have to be bringing you down, but just seeing how the day went and reflecting on, well, that went really well, or this is something I can change tomorrow. And all these, th these are very, very simple steps. And I, for the clients that don't, you know, for the writers that don't have me as a coach, where I do that with them, we talk through every single step, set up everything they need, all their routines. I created the planner so people can do it by themselves. And I, I use it myself. Like if I don't open my planner in the morning, I know the day is almost lost. But if I open it, Everything is clear. There's a box to put my goal. There's a box to slot it in. There's a box to track myself. I don't have to think. I don't need the willpower. I just follow what that thing is. And that just, you know, gives me more energy to do the actual writing. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I remember I used to think like, oh, you know, if I didn't have to work all day long, um, I would have so much time to write. But what I found was that when I had less time, like I was able to focus more because you have such a small window of time to get things done. Right. And yeah, I've been actually going through the whole process of trying to figure out like the right schedule for my days now that I am in charge of my time and, and my days and how they go and all of that. But it's not for, for someone who's not super structured, which I'm not, it's not that easy, right. To have that big open window of time and make the most out of it. So what would you say to someone who's struggling with that? You know what? I often, um, play writing retreat because mm -hmm. on a writing retreat, the way I know it, it's quite structured. You have like an hour in the morning, then you take your tea break with everyone else or coffee. Then you have another one and a half hours, like 90 minutes or something, then you have a proper lunch, maybe you take a walk and so on, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't like to be too rigid either, but if I pretend I'm on a writing retreat, I mean, even better if I have a friend who does it with me, either on Zoom or in person, right? But I sort of just have dedicated slots and I know when I'm on and when I'm off. Mm -hmm. And when I'm on, I have my flow ritual, like I you know, I always drink the same cup of tea, put on my writer's jumper or something, um, put on my noise canceling headphones and listen to binaural beats. So my, my brain is quite trained on that specific thing that I do, my flow ritual. But then, you know, I put the timer on and I do that for an hour and then I know it's break time. And I pretend, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not walking around the house talking to myself, although I could, right? But, um, and then I take that break because if, I didn't put the timer and take that break. I know that after the second or third hour, I would just be wiped out and lose the whole afternoon and get cranky when I have to do my childcare later. So there's, mm -hmm. there's no point. So I try to pace myself, look at the times. And then when you have that structure, you can still be slightly flexible. If you feel like, oh, I'm really in flow, why not tag on another 20 minutes and then take your break? So it's never meant to be restrictive pressure, having to perform. It's meant to give you 
a little bit of structure for your day that, you know, hopefully you would not do your emails in that prime writing time that maybe is the morning for you, right? So it gives you something to go by. And then once you have that established, you can then start playing with it and experiment. Maybe the next day you do it slightly differently because you figured out yesterday that, I don't know, something else is even better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I work with my members in my writing membership, we do the Pomodoro timer method. So we do the 25 minutes, then we come back for a few minutes. We talk about our progress, you know, what we're going to do in the next session. And we usually do two of those, um, each session that we have together, which we do like a couple a day, usually during the week, which, and for, for people who had not ever done that, they're always like, Well, first of all, wow, that went by so fast. And second of all, I had no idea how much I could get accomplished in 25 minutes, right? Um, so yeah, when you think about it like that, that dedicated time, it really does make a difference if you just know that that's what you're going to focus on. Yeah. And there's something quite magical about writing with other people. I mm -hmm. discovered that during COVID because obviously you couldn't go anywhere. Um, Just the presence of another person on Zoom or whatever else that is, where you set a goal, you see them working. I have my camera on. I have a similar thing that you, I do is I call it power hour, but it's essentially co-writing, right? Yeah. Um, it creates a sort of a space and an energy. I feel really that my energy or some people who are a bit more spiritual might say frequency or whatever it is, it just gives me more writing flow and everyone else we feed off each other and give each yeah. other that boost and there is research around it um, by Rowena Murray in Scotland over here um, in Europe and but nevertheless there is something there that um, makes it so much easier to get into flow I, I have also a writing partner and groups that I write with and there's a real difference between me sitting alone and you know trying to type away and me logging in with someone else and just getting it done. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned about my membership. So I knew I wanted, when I started my membership, I knew what I wanted it to be. Um, and I knew that, you know, people wanted to, it, there were a lot of people that were going to be interested that had maybe always wanted to write, but just hadn't started writing yet or didn't know how to start. But in the process of, of working with people and, and, you know, experimenting with different things, it actually became more about the community aspect. Uh, you know, people like to talk to published writers and they like to understand the business and they like to understand structure and all of the education is great. But the number one thing that people have given me feedback on is the community. A hundred percent. It's so, so true. I mean, I'm a sucker for courses and classes and workshops and I go to them. I suck up knowledge. I love that. I mean, that's why I was an academic. And at the same time, writing can be quite a lonely experience. At the end of the day, you are in your own head yeah. and you are supposed to write those words down. And that I've been feeling, I'm, you know, working from my home office as a coach and writer and I sometimes get lonely and just having someone else with you on that journey. That's essentially when people come to me for coaching, what they get, they have someone on their journey and that already makes everything so, so much better. Right. And, um, yeah, I completely agree. And I've, since I've been, um, a writer's coach, all that loneliness has really, really uh, improved is the wrong word. Right. But sort of I don't feel as lonely anymore because even if it's a client, we are still two human beings right. who are together in a room and creating something. There is, they come in, there's nothing there. They leave and there's a smile where yeah. there are a few more extra words. And that is just, that's just the magic. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love when people say, you know, um, I've seen shifts in certain members where, you know, they used to come in and say, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing or oh, I only wrote, you know, 200 words today, but now it's like, Oh, I wrote 200 words today. And it's, a, it's just like a, a shift, right. In the mindset of like, people think they have to come in and be perfect and know everything and, you know, do this amazing big thing in one sitting and just kind of the ability to take a breath and, you know, just make some kind of progress and have people cheering you on, I think makes all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so my members and I just went through National Novel Writing Month. And mm. yeah, there were a few that had just done it for the first time. And, you know, some, we all had different goals. And that was one thing that we talked about was, you know, you don't have to just focus on writing 50,000 words. If your goal is something completely different, set the goal that works for you. Um, I did have someone who did decide to start a new book and wrote 51,000 words. And that was amazing. Um, mm. But I noticed you did a blog post on something similar to Nano, but something related to academia. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, NaNoWriMo is for, for novelists, but there's that same thing for nonfiction writers. Um, it has a different abbreviation, and there's the same thing for academics. It's called ACRIMO. Um, and it's essentially the same idea to boost each other's energy and to treat it as a writing challenge. Um, I will say, though, that especially for academics, November is maybe not the best month. Um, a, all the students get sick and they are making you sick. And B, there's a lot of work towards Christmas. You know, you need to get all your papers done. And um, so I've noticed that um, it can lead to almost like writer's burnout if you try mm -hmm. to do it all, which is why, you know, all the people I work with, we take it very gently if we do RIMO or act RIMO or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's essentially the same thing. And I think it's really important how you, as you just said, to approach it with self-compassion and a really good reflection on what you can do within that time, given that you have a life, you have obligations, um, you have a body that needs tending mm -hmm. and care, and um, then it can be a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I have, I know people who basically do nano every month because they're, they're working on books and they're just focused on, on writing. And so, but for others, it seems like a really daunting process. And I think people do get really caught up in this idea of, I have to write, you know, basically an entire book in 30 days. And, um, so I, for my members, we did a whole session at the beginning, like right before, you know, at the end of October, just to talk about like, what a diff what different goals could look like. And, you know, if somebody is a short story writer, you know, how could you translate your, your nano into that? If somebody has a book that's written, but needs editing, how could you turn that into a set of goals that you could still feel like you were part of nano and you accomplished something, but it doesn't have to be the 50,000 words thing necessarily. And I think people, you know, it was, um, a different way of looking at things, right. Which is so much about what this is about. The work you and I do is giving people a, and ourselves sometimes <laughs> a different way of looking at the things that we want to accomplish and being kinder to ourselves. Yeah. And there's a real trap there with these writing challenges, which I also run, right? But the trap is, and I fall into that, oh man, so often still comparing yourself to other writers. Yes. You know, maybe that other writer who started at the same time as you, but their novel is published, or the writer maybe who doesn't have children and it feels to you they have all this time in the world or they don't have pets or, you know, any other caring obligations. And that can really make you, you know, just feel bad. And so one of the things I'm working really hard on is just trying to run my own race. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to just say it, but I mean, I'm a competitive person. I was an academic. All Everything was about, you know, who has more papers on their CV and who is giving more keynote conference speeches and all that. But at the end, and that is something I really had to learn, I'm running my own race and the message that I think I needed to hear was trust yourself, trust yourself, your story matters, mm -hmm. trust yourself, your voice is worthy to be heard, you are worthy to be seen, and you do it the way, you create the way you can create. And that sounds, you know, it sounds a little bit intangible or a little bit overly spiritual or something, but I don't know what it is, but... That is at the core what I need for myself as a writer and a lot of my clients. It's so banal, right? But that's what that's what they need. And then once you have that, writing becomes actually easy. You know, it flows when you have that trust in yourself. Mm -hmm. You can do it. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent hear you. Cause I have struggled with that my whole life too. Like looking at everyone else and even in, you know, not only in writing, but in my business now, right. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, learning from people who have been doing this a long time. And in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get to where she is. And it's like, Oh my God, stop and just enjoy the process. <laughs> and, you know, look at all of the things that you've accomplished that have gotten you to where you are and how you're taking those learnings and making them into something that's unique to you. Um, and I think we don't take enough time to, we just automatically look at other people and think, oh, well, they did it. There's no room left for me. And, you know, that's it. I'm going to go back to the nine to five or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I think your future self really wouldn't want to go back to the nine to five, at least no. if I think of myself. No. Um, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and I think too, like writers, we, you know, I've seen this a lot with newer writers who are starting to get out and go to conferences and, you know, they might be hearing things by well-meaning people, you know, in the business about what the trends are and what's, you know, what can get published and what probably won't get published. And God, that, that also drives me nuts because I feel like people think or rely too much on, you know, what someone else says, thinking that they know everything and, you know, they might know a lot, but nobody knows, nobody can tell the future. And I think going back to what we talked about earlier, if you're being authentic to your voice and true to yourself and you're writing what you are called to write, I feel like that's the only way to go. And that's the only way you're going to find success. It's not writing to a trend. Yeah. And also, you know, these, these conferences or the tips from writers, I think they can only ever share how it was for them, but they mm -hmm. aren't coaches, right? They aren't trained coaches to figure out, to help you hear what you need or, you know, and so I love, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in how everyone is doing their own writing practice, but that doesn't mean I have to try and do that same thing. Mm -hmm. I did actually, I tried to I try to follow the rule, oh, when you start a business, you should write a book. Write a business book that gives you credibility. It'll be your calling card. So I tried to write this planner that I brought out as a self-help book for writers. And I accumulated like 40, 50,000 words of how you should build your writing system and everything that I try to cram everything in that I do with my clients. And it completely overwhelmed me. And I realized I don't think my clients need to read another 300 page book about how to write productively. I think they just need a tool to take their pen and paper and do it. And that's when I just basically, I threw out that self-help book. It lives on my computer and I sometimes go there and stroke it gently, right? But <laughs> it's sort of, it's basically abolished and I turned it into a planner and the planner is flying because people say, thank you. Thank God you're not giving me yet another you know, 10-step program that I need to read through and then I still don't know how to do it. You're just giving me the thing, I fill it in every day and I'm actually writing productively. Yeah. And I almost didn't see that. I had to basically get, I got a little bit blocked with my book for a few months until I realized this is maybe not the book I, I'm supposed to be writing right now. It's just what I heard someone is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, that's interesting. Cause when you say, um, you got blocked with it. So how do, how sh can people know if they're really experiencing a creative block? Like we talked about earlier, like, you know, it's your mind getting in the way it's your teaching, someone's teaching getting in the way versus I'm really not doing the right thing. Yeah. So I think the first thing is if you notice that you're not writing productively and you, it's not flowing, to stop. Um, most of the time they actually, their body forces them to stop because they get brain fog or sort of, you know, they get a, you know, a neck pain. So something is there. And I feel like taking a pause is the first step. It's, you know, just being aware of what is going on. What am I stuck with? And maybe journaling about at which point did it not feel comfortable anymore? Just to be aware of that. And then the next thing is, I often, the next step that I would do is thinking about how bad is that feeling of being blocked? Because sometimes we think we are deep in writer's block, but we've just really needed some rest. We just stopped for a week because we not needed to recover from sitting at the desk all the time. So how bad is it really? We often catastrophize, but it might not be so bad. And then the next step would be, can you go into your body and see where you feel pain or resistance or block tension. 
the body knows much more than the brain wants to see. And so just scanning the body and finding, you know, breathing into that area, putting your hand on it and just say, okay, I'm listening. So at that point, people have just paused, they calm their nervous system. And then, and only then you can think clearly and start diagnosing yourself. And I have like 12 different questions or sort of things on a checklist that people in the planner can go through. But it's essentially thinking about what might your creative block want to tell you? Or does your body need a break? Or do you need to go and live, you know, to find more inspiration? Do you just need to go out and live like a human being and bring that back to the page? Or maybe you don't believe in the project anymore. Maybe you lost touch. It doesn't have meaning for you anymore. Maybe you need to talk to people, brainstorm, talk it through, just get whatever is in your head out there because the argument is sort of muddled up. Or maybe most people are a little bit perfectionist. And so if you know, if you go through a series of sort of potentials, you can then find off, well, probably this one or these two are the biggest. And then I would lead them to what's the next tiny step I can do? Just a tiny, like incremental. What's a micro step I can do to move gently and with compassion forward? Mm. Yeah. Your body always knows, right? Mm. I learned that more and more. I mean, it's just, it's amazing when I think back on certain things and I'm like, wow, I knew that somewhere in my body before it happened. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's very easy after the fact to, you know, see the whole story, how the shit in your life unfolded, all the red flags. Um, I'm very good at that, you know, analyzing um, after the fact. But when you're in it, this is why it's so important to take a breather, to just stop. Um, a writer who doesn't rest, I think, can run fast and write a lot of words, but it could happen that they're all going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So this is why the sort of moments of presence and waking up, it's, it's sort of a mindful thing. Um, and I don't mean to be too woo-woo, but I think if you are sleepwalking through that writing project, you might wake up at the end of it and just, you know, figure out that this wasn't the thing you were meant to write, you, you know, or it's all wrong or whatever else. So just little moments, interjected, pauses, that's all it takes. It's just like, you know, waking up. What am I doing? Am I okay? Okay. Yes, I'm okay. I'll keep going. <laughs> Yeah. And listen, we're all about the woo-woo here. My, um, the class that I'm actually in the midst of creating is called the Mindful Mystery Writers Masterclass. <laughs> so yeah. And the first module is all about setting yourself up for writing success. So we don't do any writing in the first module. It's all about the getting your mind right, getting your space right, getting your intentions right, all of the things, you know, learning how to journal and meditate and, you know, kind of really yeah. tuning into yourself and what you want to do and how you want to show up on the page. So I love that. That's so amazing. Yeah. Do you journal? Do you, do you journal often or daily? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do actually a thing it's, um, called automatic writing. It's slightly different than journaling, right? And, um, it's sort of getting into meditative state with specific music, um, theta waves work really well for me. And then, um, then I imagine um, my my guides standing around me. In my case, that's my favorite authors like Elizabeth Gilbert, Julia Cameron, all the amazing wise women, um, and a few poets. And so I imagine them around me. And then I sometimes imagine further people um, around me. And in that state, I'm visually really there in that moment. And then I start asking questions: What do I need to know today? Who am I? What's my single-minded purpose today? Today, I actually journaled about what book am I supposed to write because my planner is finished. And it's really weird. I went to a yoga class yesterday and while we did yoga nidra, so also very deep meditation, I saw a book. I had a vision of a book. So in that vision, I tried to close the book so I could see the cover. I just really wanted to know what is that book? I did close the cover. It didn't show anything. And then it was time to end and the yoga class ended. And so ever since then, it was last night and I was thinking, what is that book? So this morning I did ask my guides, what is the book? And they said, uh, 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 there's no answer here. You first need to create space. Like 
cut out some clients or relieve your week of the extra stress you're putting in, you need to create space and then the book will appear to you that wants to be written. So this is now becoming very woo-woo, but I do have <laughs> it right here. It is, this is what happened to me. And uh, it said, it wants to be written. You just make the space. Mm. And so now, you know, impatient person that I am, I need to sit here and create that space and be super mindful. You know, I'm like fully dedicated to be super mindful. And, you know, I'm laughing at myself because obviously this is exactly how it's not going to work. So I need to now find that space to let go and keep journaling like that. I will do it, you know, you know, tomorrow morning, very early before the rest of the house is awake and just see if I can that butterfly of a book, if I can catch what that is, or maybe it'll be elusive because I'm not ready. So I don't know. It's an interesting space to be in and journaling or like automatic writing is hopefully going to give me some clue here. That's very cool. I I need to try that. I've been doing morning pages for many, many years. Um, and like the past few weeks have, it's definitely been saving my, my life. I mean, I've been writing way more than three pages every day. But I love the automatic writing. That's That sounds like something very cool that I need to try. It was an upgrade for me. Um, I've done morning pages for a really long time. And at some point when I was very deep in my victim mindset and burnout and some other issues in my life, I realized that I'm, that I'm using them to just vent. Mm. And I think that it needed to happen. Like the ego needs its space and it needs it needs to be let out. That's fine. But I reached a point where I was just not getting any interesting insights or answers. I was just going round and round. I was basically putting my overthinking on the page. It did give me some relief, but I wanted to find answers. And mm -hmm. then that automatic writing, which also the French surrealists did. So it's not just a woo-woo thing, you know, the poets do it. And I needed to go into my subconscious or the spiritual world. Like some people believe it's the universe answering or God or angels. I don't know. It's probably the subconscious. Who knows? Who cares, right? right? But I needed answers. So that was sort of my, after, you know, two years ago or so I started, I needed that as an upgrade. And yeah, yeah. Mm. I could use an upgrade. So I think I'm going to try it. <laughs> so what are you working on these days? Ah, too many things. I tell my clients to prioritize. Um, I'm writing um, poetry and I have a wonderful, wonderful poetry mentor who is helping me to turn those blobs of pain and emotion and frustration into art to detach myself, turn them into a poem that works. And I'm really not a poet, but sort of that I'm doing, I'm working towards a pamphlet. That's my pet project. Um, yeah, I think you're one of the very few people who now know about this. I don't That's tell awesome. anyone. I love it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm writing on a few other bits and pieces for my business. And I'm also finishing my dissertation for the master's in creative writing that I do at Cambridge. So there is a 15,000 words of a start of a fragmented novel, which is quite poetry-like mm. in the making. Very cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. What are you writing? So I am working on a book. Uh, it's the eighth book in my Cat Cafe mystery series. And um, it's a little overdue, but, you know, we'll get it done. <laughs> so I took a awesome. couple of wrong turns when I started writing it. So I had to kind of go back and uh, figure some things out. So, yeah, but it's all good. I do this to myself a lot, especially when, you know, things are happening around me. So... It's just the process and it will get done, but, um, yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm electrocuting someone. Um, I have two murders <laughs> in this book. Yeah, it's, it definitely, I love to write about murders because it takes out a lot of frustrations and, you know, I don't actually have to, you know, pay any consequences for it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. It's interesting because the way your writing is going or the way your writer's block goes up and down is often a reflection of what's going on in life. Yeah. And if life suddenly becomes busy or there are big decisions to be made or there's something not quite right, sometimes your book, I don't know in your case, we haven't talked at length at this about this, but sometimes your book might be telling you there's it's time for a shift or something like that. So I, this is actually why I think that 
generally writer's blog is not something I want to dread anymore, but it's almost like a welcome guest that very gently nudges me and tells me, please put your attention onto something here. And it may not be an, a problem in the book. It may be the problem in life, yeah. which I've had quite a few times. So not sure if this is the case for you, but if we can see writer's block as um, a welcome sign to just wake up, um, that would be amazing. Then we wouldn't fear it anymore. Then we wouldn't dread that day. Oh, this whole day I haven't written. It's fine. You know, we can explore. Yeah. And actually, all right, I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole right now because you made me think of this. So I, I did um, a blog post a while back on the difference between writer's block and a, an actual creative block, because I, I don't know, I, as a, tell me if you feel the same way, cause you're, you were a journalist and I believe once you're a journalist, you're always a journalist. That is not something that you ever get rid of. Right. It's kind of a thing that's ingrained in your brain, but as a journalist, it's kind of hard to have writer's block because you got a deadline every day, pretty much, you know, and in my case, my last reporting job, I had, you know, three or four stories. I was like the main city reporter. So I had three or four stories every day that had to get done or else we were going to get scooped by the other paper. And then that would be, you know, devastating because I'm also very competitive. So I felt like writer's block, you know, was almost really not a thing, but it's really this more deeper creative block that kind of like what we talked about earlier, where the beliefs and all the things get in your way and you're, you're actually unable to create because of something, you know, maybe a little bit more serious than, oh, I don't know what to write next. What, what do you think about that? Um, that's exactly my story. As a journalist, I didn't know what, I thought I was a born writer and I can write anything, uh, you know, and then I turned towards books and that changed. Um, I do think that apart from the daily deadline and all these things that are, you know, making writer smaller and faster as a journalist, I do think that um, when you write a longer piece, even if it's a completely made up story, you are growing and transforming and sort of working with something that's going on inside of you that you might not even know what that is. And Often things are woken up. I mean, sometimes it's trauma and sometimes it's fear and sometimes it's something positive, like a delight that you didn't dare, like desire, right? Um, something you didn't dare think about. And we are human beings. We are not AI that is just, you know, sort of putting out words on the page, but we are human beings creating something. And um, that this is why I think as a writer, you have to closely watch your energy Um It takes a lot from me to write my poetry. I cannot write 10 poems a day. I can very well write blog posts about the business of writing and being a writing coach and these things, right? Um, but certain types of writing that go deeper and that sort of touch you, you know, for them, in order for them to touch you and the reader, to build that connection, to de to delight them, to scare them, you know, whatever you're doing, Um you need to bring more of yourself into it. And that's why it's so important that writers have space. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no other word for that. I think space, creative space and the mindset for it. And that's hard to come by. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And that, I think that's why I think journaling, and even if it's people who haven't journaled before, I always tell them like, start out with morning pages because, you know, you've got to clear that space in your head. And even, I know I've been, vent I've been doing a lot of venting the past few weeks. I'm very guilty of that. Not, I'm not doing very much productive in the journal, but it is helping me to vent and get things out. Um, but I think people don't, you know, if, if you've never done it before and you're trying to write, realizing that there's a lot of clutter in, in your head and getting that on the page. So you have some of that space, that brain space to actually think about what you want to create. I think that's super important. And even if you do upgrade later on and you start doing automatic writing, which I am definitely taking on as a challenge. Um, I think it's important for people to have that experience of clearing some of that clutter first. Yeah. And even if you're not a writer, yeah, I mean, just there's a lot of research showing that writing can be healing even just 15 minutes a day mm -hmm. and you can do it Julia Cameron style which I love or you can do it in any other way but writing can be really healing and just the, just the act of self-care putting on a 15 minute timer telling everyone else to shut up and saying this is my time I'm gonna 
journal and you know it doesn't even matter what you're journaling about even if it's doodling yeah um that act of self-care and just being in that moment that is absolute gold agree agree I love that. I've so loved talking to you. Before we go, tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can buy your cool planner. Oh, thank you. Yes, um, I did enjoy it a lot too. I feel like we could talk for another three hours, yes. but that would be good for the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Nicole Jans. So my website is NicoleJans.com and the rightHabitPlanner.com is where you can find my planner and you can find it everywhere. It's being sold on Amazon in probably each and every country in the world. Um, yeah that's awesome congratulations and i'll put those links in the show notes thank you so much for being here this was a lot of fun and hey anytime you want a writing buddy i'm here awesome let's do it all right <laughs> <laughs> thank you so that's my new friend nicole i hope you enjoyed this talk one thing that i took away is the reminder that we need to give ourselves space when something isn't working so when things are closing in and the pressure is on or we're facing some kind of deadline, we often think the only way forward is to just power through, keep going, get it done, rest later. But that's not true. We need that break. We need that space to reconnect. I actually talked about this on last week's episode that I did on how to stay creative when life throws you curveballs. Go check it out if you haven't yet. It really builds on that idea of how to create space while still moving forward. And I'm including a couple of strategies that I use when I really need to keep going, but want to be a little kinder to myself. So I'd love to hear what your takeaway is from this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram at Liz McGavro and let me know, or head over to my website, kateconti.com and send me a message through there. And if you could rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, if you like it, I would really love it. That would mean the world to me. I would love to get this information into more ears and I could use your help doing that. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.